Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I've, you're I've fine. answered you're fine. calls. Fine. I've, I've maybe dug too deep into Django, but I'm not apologizing because you I know what never. this is. What is this? <laughs> what, what self-evident doesn't need to be said, Django? Yes, it's, it's Justin Strikes, Chapter One. <laughs> I'm just oh, we have an intro now. Was that a French laughs. joke, Roman? That was a French joke because he is Leviathan. Oh, my oh God. There did you, you make go. that joke this morning already, or was that yesterday or the day that before? That was like you last week. It's okay. like three or four days in a row for me now. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode 63. I don't know. Roman just shook his head like, maybe that's not right. Do you know no, I, don't, I, I have no know. idea. I don't either. Um, <laughs> where we're going to talk about Batman Leviathan Strikes. Batman Leviathan Strikes Incorporated. I don't even know if it's an incorporated. Is it Batman Incorporated Leviathan Strikes? Or they just give it Batman Leviathan Strikes? No, we got it incorporated. We got that okay. very blase. Yeah, it's... it's- it's Batman Incorporated, Leviathan Strikes. Okay, cool, cool. Cool, everyone. Well, just bear with me. I'm pulling this out of the bottom of my intestines today. So, um, viscera. That's all that's in there other than water. All that's in there. <laughs> hey, before we get into this, I want to address an email that we got just about an hour ago on this podcast. And I just want to check with everyone on the podcast and our listeners. This is from David Canier, C-A-N-I-U-N-I-R. And there's no subject, and the text is, did you get it? No question mark. Um, so if that was you, I did get it, and I'm still confused. Um, <laughs> Jeff, did you get a battering at your door? I got a battering at my door, and I thought I it was you, but maybe it's David Kenyoner. David Kenyon, did you get it? <laughs> but I also like, actually, now I'm interpreting as like, do you get it? Did you, did you get it? It's Batman. It's Morrison's Batman. Do you guys even get it? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I do. <laughs> like, I thought it was like uh, the guy who talks backwards in Lost Highway by David Lynch. Hmm. Yeah, you get it. Did you get it? <laughs> I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Professor Pig. Oh, <laughs> I'm that diamond you never see again. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Batman Incorporated, Leviathan Strikes, which would have been issue number nine. Turn me on, dead man. It had been it had been listed on the backs of several issues of Batman Incorporated as this being number nine, and then they couldn't put that out because of the New 52, so they combined what was going to be issue nine and issue 10 into a prestige format issue called Leviathan Strikes that I was so confused about, like, being... I was excited for it, but I was like, okay, I don't think that I understood at the time that it was clearly supposed to be issued, like, 9 and 10, so I thought mm-hmm. that this whole thing was, like, a meaningful like Leviathan strikes thing. And it is, it is all meaningful, but it also to me is very clearly like two separate issues. So as a 10 year younger person who got this issue, I was like, why is, why is the first half of this like Leviathan strikes, you know, or like (laughs) Justin, I know that there's a long history of this issue and some drama that happened with your roommates and stuff. You were excited to read this issue. Somebody was bothering you. I was a dick. As you you were assessing boundaries and creating personal space is not being a dick. Don't ever, don't ever tell yourself that. 
Um, but I had the ripple effect of me being a dick. You know, you're a good boy. <laughs> um, we're all good boys. But I can imagine, you know, the Justin and Jeffs that sat down very excited for this. I was confused. I was like, I don't was know a little bummed that too. much about. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the back half, I think. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Can I just more on that promise of Leviathan Strikes where the first half is like, okay, what should I know this? I thought yeah. I was getting you know like this is batman v leviathan the whole thing and i'm like why are we in this yeah. school definitely too roman what were you just gonna say oh i was just gonna say it's yeah i remember trying to explain this to customers and we hadn't even read it yet ourselves and so trying to figure out as we we're explaining it to people well, no this is the end of the <clears throat> batman incorporated thing because everybody's like is this part of new 52 it's like uh, no i don't think so <laughs> just buy it it's grant morrison's batman just just buy it <laughs> actually it is and it isn't none of us to this day know if this is part of the new 52 or not <laughs> so what was the release schedule on this did this come out a month after the previous issue or did it come oh, out months like grant morrison and, after we the we issue? The, I, I can do the math, but I think after. it was five months. Um, okay. Number eight came out October 2011. And then this came out in February of 2012. Wow. So October, oh, November, wow. December, January. So five months, four or five and, months. And just for you guys reading it in the omnibuses, it's a, it's a fat old square bound thing that they had to add a bunch of, like a recap of the previous issues of Batman Incorporated in the back in order to... I think probably to hit the number of pages required to be square bound. Mm. Oh, wow. Django, does your copy of the issue, does it say on the title page, the school of night, does it actually have a little, a little text, uh, text block there that says this issue takes place before flashpoint, the new 52. It does not. Oh, and... so they, they added that for the collection then. <laughs> and then oh, they, wait, yeah, it does. It, it does. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm it does. Page. Okay. Yeah. Then they took it out of Where the services. Oh, really? <laughs> it would be it. under this page. The oh, I see it now. Page. Okay, I see it. God, I, I'm well it, played, it, DC. It's kind of well played. It's kind of <laughs> embarrassing how interested I am in like all of the small changes to pages that have been made in the various incarnations of the publication of this book, like issue to paperback to hardcover to absolute edition. Everyone is just a little bit different. I mean, yeah. I would like to just see the different facing pages in that chain also. You know, oh, because yeah. because we have ads throughout these and you just showed me a, a two-page spread that looked a lot more interesting to read than than mine because mine is advertising headphones or something. Oh, okay. I really like the anti-weed smoking ads. Do you guys think that we'll get as many anti-weed smoking ads in comics now that we're like pretty close to it no longer being federally illegal? God, I hope so. We have to save the children. Think of them. Yeah. Like all of those ads with like human skin that's been deflated and it's sitting next to you on the couch and there's like a tuber and, and I want there to be Grant more Morrison comic. Like I love like anti-drug ads in Grant Morrison comics is, is one yeah. of my favorite. I just, as it, as we get more and more culturally accepting of it, I want there to be more and more ads that are just as like hand wringing and horrible in each comic and just see how ridiculous it feels you know the same ads from 10 years ago now that everyone's like no weed is nothing it's literally nothing marijuana yeah. killed my brother <laughs> you guys i you know just as a tangent now i don't know no future generations are gonna have that thing that like you know i was the last generation of that like 
you hide you always hide being stoned wherever you are like that was the best part of the game (laughs) yeah it's still the best part of the game like i yeah now there's all these kids are like they'll come in the store and be like oh i'm really hot i'm sorry about that i'm like you're not supposed to be telling us that or else you're gonna get caught and i'm really high but don't tell anybody i got a butt plug in (laughs) (laughs) we need to find those new things to be hiding but then as soon as butt plugs become federally legal and endorsed you'll get butt plug ads and we won't have any more of those ads of just a giant butt plug with a frowny face sitting next to me on a couch my brother got killed by a butt plug (laughs) never again something related to toxic toxic shock syndrome um Hey, Jeff, you want to put a butt plug in and walk around Target together? <laughs> See if anybody don't, knows. Don't tell a soul. <laughs> if they find out, I can't deal with it. <laughs> Reminds me of most of my high school days. Yeah. Um, so this whole issue, now similar to um, the, the Kathy Kane, the, or sorry, the, or the Kate Kane issue four of this run, um, when I was kind of confused of like, who Batgirl? What, how many Batgirl? Batwoman? Different color skin? Who? Um, this issue, you know, I had managed to like thread the needle on not reading a ton of Stephanie Brown at this point in my life or even having a really strong idea of who she is or, you know, she's the sweet one. Yeah, and Cassandra Kane and then, you know, the first, first Batwoman. So, so I was particularly confused. This issue is all just uh, the the night school where they train young girls to be assassins that is working for Leviathan that hired the people in issue four that were running all around. And I'm just confused why all the ones with skeleton masks have the same outfit of the original Batwoman. Are we to believe that Batwoman is the leader of this school? Well, there was some sort of connection between her and Agent thirty three, right? El Gaucho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe he took some inspiration from that, or may I, I don't remember I, issue four well enough. I guess there was the fake Batwoman in it. <clears throat> yeah, I think that these girls get trained up to be assassins for Leviathan now, and get brainwashed as fuck, and they're dressed up as these fake Kathy Canes with these masks on, um, and maybe as they rise to the top rank, they get to go. You know, I think like maybe the head one, the that gymnast that they were talking about, the star student, mm-hmm. pretended to be Kathy Kane as she attacked um, Batwoman, I guess. And so yeah. maybe I think it's for the effect to get under Batman's skin and start, you know, playing with his past and the guilt that he has about Kathy Kane. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's all that uh, you make physical tactics as well as mental and emotional ones. And that seems to be Leviathan's jam. Or it seems to be Grant Morrison's villains jam, you know. Mm. They like to uh every time they do a physical strike, they're like, also let's undermine your past and make you feel crazy. Yeah. Which is good. Good villainy. So we don't necessarily think that Kathy Kane is strictly associated with this organization in any way. I don't think that Kathy Kane is. Maybe that's their goal is to make Batman think that Kathy Kane's one of the people behind it, because we're okay. you know, we're trying to like layer who could be leviathan and yeah make it hard to you know red herrings okay, yeah because isn't that what they did in issue four or five whatever uh try to set it up so it looked like kathy was the original batwoman was was the head of spiral yeah yeah okay. as her being the, the head of spiral and like this gymnast that they mention in here is the gymnast that yeah goes over in issue four 
to be doing it it's, yeah i was just curious like is do you think they were trying to do a red herring to you know for us the reader because we do have that mysterious school leader in here at some point right in the shadows that could have been oh no that looks kind of like more like a boy i guess now that i'm looking at it when the bondage lady with the writing crop is talking to the head of the school that's a male body i th- I was trying to wonder like you know are they trying to maybe red herring us to believe that kathy kane is is the one that's the head of the school and are they trying to red herring us or are they trying yes. to red herring batman both both okay um just just so that we're all on the same page with how poorly i read i didn't even notice that those were batwoman costumes yeah, I was trying to trying to figure out what the motivation for it all was. I certainly didn't understand it the first time I read it. Besides their being their fucking cool costumes, I want a costume like that. I if I had more preparation time, I would have come dressed up as that to this podcast. I love a skull face thing, and then it's playing on you know ghosts of the past. It's so fucking cool, and it's. <laughs> Um, but I was. I, w- I want a gun with the cute little bead dongle yeah, things hanging yeah, off it. Yeah, Roman, you have it. two of those. <laughs> um, the original cover for this is a Chris Burnham cover of him just punching the shit out of a junior high school girl in the like fields outside <laughs> the school. But then DC stopped them from letting him do that. Awesome. Uh, you can still find the picture online. I had it drawn up, and then I opened it and it went to a different page. Unfortunately, <laughs> I would encourage everyone to check it out though because it's uh it's that type of irreverent apparently there was a three episode arc of the batman 66 show that took place in europe at a school that was essentially the same as this um and that is interesting i have it right here it apparently stands out to british people but um an institute run by lord marmaduke <coughs> fogg played by rudy <laughs> valley and his sister lady penelope pea soup which appeared in a three-part story, The Laudanum Larcenies, The Foggiest Notion, and The Bloody Tower from the 67-68 Batman series, Lord Fogg's Fog Place Finishing School trained young girls as thieves and criminals in order to assist in a plot to steal the crown jewels. Wow, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Morrison. (laughs) This is a little more sinister. Yeah, this is a lot more... A lot more... (laughs) Sinister, but I also just loved how much this was like at watching Mean Girls with Batman in it. You know, like a little, a little less funny than Mean Girls, which is a movie I love. But I, I love the just sort of you know bejeweled guns, like you pointed out, and people arguing about family lineage and you know who's going to the prom. Not that there was a prom in this, but I just I loved like a bunch of high school girl drama around an assassin school with Stephanie Brown. Yeah, I I actually like this issue quite a bit. Um, I grew up with Stephanie Brown around quite a bit. Um, and while I was more of a Cassandra Kane man, I liked Stephanie quite a bit. And she was always the like, not quite as good Batgirl who was never very technically proficient. She got like fired from being Robin. So to see her be kind of a badass in this was awesome. I got, a, I got a question. Huh? Do you guys think this is actually pig's son? Cause it's the same guy from issue four that was running around. Johnny Valentine? Johnny Val- yeah, Johnny Valentino. Um, well, it is the same last name, if that's really his name. I don't remember yeah. him in issue four. What issue was he four, doing? they're running. They're, he, that's the kind of the connection with the school. He killed the guy. three. He killed the three people, and like then the fake Kate Kane comes out, but they, they straight up just say, like they call him by name, Johnny Valentine. Um, hmm. Do you think that that was pig the whole time? And this guy is just pig saying that he's pig's son. 
I guess I'm curious, like, do we think that this is literally Pig's son or do we think that we've adopted the sort of like, uh, you know, pseudonym or identity of Pig? He says spawn of the foul fiend, child of the boar and his sow. Yeah. It's like, I, if, if he just said child, I would think maybe not an actual baby of theirs, but spawn feels to me like he would be his son. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I, they, I would have loved just Pig to be back. Yeah. I almost felt like this was just Professor Pig saying that he was reborn and saying he's the son of Pig now. I don't know. He went on a diet for sure, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in Arkham, out. he's just yeah, been eating those wafers. Hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out in a cell eating those wafers. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe this guy, they drove him nuts and he put on the old Pig mask because it's the same mask because he fell down and he was being like lit on fire in Batman and. Right. And oh, yeah. so I was trying to think mask. about that wound, but yeah, the fire. It is horrifying. Like a damaged, weird fat. It looks like roasted pork. I like um, that. Yeah, I love how slippery it looks. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> I also kind of just like the idea of like, you know, a Scarface or not Scarface, but you know, like the little the yeah, the little gangster Muppet, little you know, marionette, yeah, marionette, but. Uh, ventriloquist dummy i like that question of like is he this possessed identity or you know because he's got the like super um <laughs> little bald guy wexler or something but uh <laughs> like it's who is it right like that scarface doll right. can go to somebody else and you like wonder is that identity within the the doll itself or is it the wexler guy and and i like the idea that maybe just the pig persona is in this mask of madness or whatever and like the mask goes in the next person and it's just like i'm i'm the son of pig I, that would be very into that. It's like a goosebumps issue. Yeah. I like that read of it. Maybe that's, you know, they drove him crazy and put this mask on him. And now he just like pig lives on pig lives. Graham Morrison read uh, or watched the mask one too many times before he <laughs> wrote that character. Mm. I love the mask. Pig eternal. Pig eternal. <laughs> <laughs> pig in all things. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I like this issue quite a bit. It's like, you, you know, think that charming surface level issue type, you know, then tied to a very integral run defining issue, I feel like. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Bruce used his um, Willie the groundskeeper accent when he was wearing the groundskeeper's skin? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. He's I a method of I certainly hope so. Though the groundskeeper never, never says anything. No, but he's, he's wearing in Roman's hat, so... He is. He's been inside he your house at least once. <laughs> when he when he finally reveals himself, I was I was thinking, man, that's kind of. I mean, did did Stephanie know he was a groundskeeper the whole time? Because that that kind of undermine your confidence a little bit. Going, God damn it, Batman, you were like hanging out here the whole time I've been here, watching me. <laughs> Especially after her realization that like. You know, for Batman to not need not need to be there with you is the fact that he supports you. Like he believes in you. It's like, oh wait, no, he's still yeah. here. That's a good yeah. question. <laughs> I guess yeah, I no, assumed quite. she knew. I think he's yeah. just he's there if she gets in too heavy because we don't know how. I mean, clearly it's pretty fucked up, but you know. I did like how this issue was kind of an homage to you know maybe just british i don't know but those kind of stories where the the deadly assassin school and all the stuff of all the accoutrement of being a teenage girl or 
are actually weapons. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, yeah. the hairbrush that shoots darts and the poison perfume and everything. That was all great. Yeah, it's like a 70s or something, you know, the television version of Mission Impossible or something, you know, or like <laughs> just those, like the James Bond scene, like, well, you got your stick of gum that you fold in half and then it blows up and then you've got the brush that shoots <laughs> out the needles. Yeah, um, yeah, the secret society, the ceremonies and crap. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, He's he's talked about how this this run is partly inspired by James Bond, mm -hmm. and and then I don't want to spoil anything, but the next issue has the red bat phone in it also, nice. which which ties back to the '60s show. This whole run is just like you know, it's interesting the pace, like the, this whole incorporated run, the pacing of it is really interesting because like this issue, on the one hand, I feel like it's chocked full of such good ideas that it could have been like two or three issues. You know, like I would have loved mm -hmm. to spend more time with Stephanie, like getting to know these girls, the one that she becomes friends with and like getting into this secret society and all the crazy bondage writing crop teachers. But it almost feels like it could be like a decent miniseries. Yeah. And, but then I also, in thinking about it, that's kind of how this whole incorporated stuff has felt so far. Like all of it moves at such a pace. Like none of them are bad ideas, but we'll go spend like two issues with Al Gaucho or one issue like somewhere else, like on the res. And they're all such awesome things. Like I feel like I would care about all of them a little bit more if we had a little bit more time with all of them. But at the same time, if you know, it had taken us 16 issues to get to this point. I could have also seen me like losing interest. It's just a, there's an interesting conversation we had about pacing here. It's almost that like, he doesn't really have many throwaway ideas. Any, any like idea he would like to spend one issue on. I'm like, I could do two. I could do three. Like, let me steep in that juice a little while. So and they, he, I mean, Grant, they, I think that at some point, um, after the black hand storyline, and before this, they released a Knight and Squire miniseries, right? Yes. I think so, yeah. Three issues. Oh. I think Paul Cornell, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, wonder if, I wonder if DC had plans to do that. And they were just like, Grant, you're really good at this setup stuff. Can you work in situations that we could spin off? And they then instead, they spun off an entire 52 universe. What to me is interesting is that like, before this issue came out, I think some of the biggest conversations I heard about it beforehand was that it was the first entrance of Stephanie Brown into the new 52 because for the first four or five months, she wasn't in any books. She didn't have her own series and much like several other kind of important key pieces of the DC universe that kind of were putting it in a corner, um, forgetting what some hmm. of the others were, but even like the Superboy with the leather jacket Superboy was just kind of like, we're not going to talk about you. Like there was just another, a number of things that they tried to not mention. And I, I'm trying to remember if she then had a presence after this. Cassandra Kane wasn't around until issue six of ink, you know? Okay. Um, and this is her pre 50 new 52 costume. This was such a Batman good costume. <laughs> such yeah. a good costume. Um, I thought that, I thought that it was not, that they didn't try to put Batman Incorporated into the new 52, even when the second series started. Huh. Like they, I thought they, that they were trying to integrate it because that's what Dick was doing in the new 52. Okay. Maybe I just. Oh, no, no, never mind. That was right before the new 52. 
This annotation I'm reading has a, a paragraph that says, though it's somewhat worrying to read Chris Burnham confirming that Leviathan had already been co-opted into the new continuity before it's, that it even began. Like Burnham says, uh, we should be confident that when it's finished, the people involved will keep it so the whole Bat Saga can be read and enjoyed without having to refer to non-Morrison. So let me take go to the, the actual quote that Burnham said. But yeah, apparently he was... Burnham at some point said that this will all fit into the new 52. But then I, I, I think he kind of backpedaled that a little bit. Um, the climax of this story ultimately has huge fallout in the new 52 universe. Like we, we have a whole, it changes everything in the Batman universe after the, the big thing, most of this arc leads to. Um, Maybe I was just thinking that because you have to hold both Grant Morrison pre and post 52 in your brain in order for it to work. Well, I think that was one of the things that like, I know Justin and I have talked about it, but we're, we were very stressed and upset about when the new 52 <laughs> was announced, which is just that like, it. if they fuck up this Morrison run that I've loved, I'm going to be really pissed. And I believed that they did, you know, mm-hmm. like I, no, it, me too. It, it felt like they had fucked it up. Like this Leviathan strikes issue coming out and me just like, I, I, I'm excited to read the second half because I know that's where some like some confusing timey stuff happens. I'm yeah. excited for that. But I remember like this issue coming out, I, I almost got two because I thought it was just so awesome looking. And then I read it and I was like, I don't really get this. And then I just kind of put it all aside until the renumbering of Batman Inc. Volume 2 showed up. And, and then I was like, oh, this is awesome. But I remember this issue, like these two Leviathan Strikes ones, me just being like, mm, I think I've missed stuff in the last like eight issues leading up to this or the new 52 jump has kind of mucked it up. But I, I, I remember being pretty confused by this and the second half and just feeling like maybe, um, maybe I'm not going to stick with the whole thing. And then, and then the first issue of volume two um, introduced my favorite character of that year. So that <laughs> cow. <laughs> yeah. Back yeah. Sick. It was, it was all very confusing. It had been so many months. I mean, I'm so glad we're reading this as we are now, because I remember at the time having the same kind of reaction and not remembering what the previous issues of incorporated had done, how this tied in. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was tough. Yeah. I yeah. loved it, man. Bizarre. I love this shit, but yeah, I was equally confused. I was just like more deadliness. Fine. More like Grant Morrison, crazy time shit. Fine. I, I don't care how confused I have to be. Um, yeah. It wasn't until like at the end of this, first chapter one that when batman is in the headmaster's office and explaining about the basically what this school exists for that i was like oh okay that's what this is about (laughs) um roman there's that cover if you want to look at my screen it's pretty good and i know you have a penchant for punching young teens (laughs) wow can you wow it's it's actually a completed cover except for no text i wonder if you can get that the original art for that, I wonder what it cost. <laughs> oh, look God, because it's rad, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll Photoshop the logo on there if you want. Just oh, not. I don't need the logo, I just want the art. <laughs> <laughs> I love Roman, seeing kids get punched. <laughs> isn't that why you're not allowed in the UK? You just go to nice schools and beat up teenagers on the lawn? <laughs> it's the night, Sam, and the, the, the night mariners here for his sockeye slam. I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm a rich American billionaire. Let me hit some teenage girls. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Can we edit that out? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want anybody to know about your wealth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have to pay higher taxes. 
uh, actually, you would pay low. Anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What so am I saying? We're in America. They pay you to beat up teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can we talk for a minute about how awesome the last panel is in this book? Which last yes. panel are you talking about? The, the last <laughs> panel after Batgirl jumps through the window and lands on the headmistress and Batman catches the crossbow bolt that's headed towards his chest. Yeah. And says that pun. <laughs> yeah. I just I bet, like it's cool if you're into gimmicky shit like that. It just like <laughs> just you, you don't know it, it takes you a second to figure out whose parts are whose on there. And I love yeah, it. It cracked me up. I was like, man, like Morrison and Burnham just like did a little dirty joke right there. They did. In the yeah. middle of this series story. With a rear shot there. For anyone who doesn't come into our shop that listens to this or doesn't know all of us, I just love whatever fiction exists in their mind between the relationship of Justin and Django. Like, I've never seen somebody just like actively always, tear, if you're in a gimmicky shit like that, like I wonder if, like, I wonder if that guy actually likes that other guy. <laughs> why, why do they both show up? <laughs> you just I wonder why Jeff commit. doesn't do more work to have them on different episodes. <laughs> You have to commit. If I just gave in now, it would mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a more prevalent bit of me resenting Django on Papcast. Um, <laughs> uh, a cool thing in here is that the other girl that Stephanie becomes friends with, we, we learn that her dad is the highwayman. And from... I don't even know who that is. From Grant Morrison's yeah. note, the highwayman... Stand and deliver. I saw the highwayman as a cross between Adam Ant and Russell Brand, a dashing gentleman bastard who plies his devilish trade on the motorways of Britain. He, tr he rides his big black stealth cycle alongside tourist coaches, delivery trucks, and especially security vans before robbing them blind and making off with his loot. It's just such a great descriptive paragraph for <laughs> wow. a character that never makes it in the run. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. There's but he was apparently old... mentioned in the, the one where they go to Britain earlier when they with the okay. arc he he's mentioned sorry J Django there's also okay. an old uh an old poem called the highwayman about um i think his his family gets murdered and the highwayman tries to get back to them in time and he doesn't make it the highwayman came riding riding mm -hmm. riding up to the old indoor so if you if you say song lyrics it sounds like a chant so i don't think that's a song Okay, it was a poem? I think it's an yeah, old poem. A, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. But it sounded like how you do Tom Waits. <laughs> well, Is this because it's Tom yeah. Waits' birthday? Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so, for his, like, you know, um, for his singularly an issue that's about Stephanie Brown over in Europe at a school, it, I do like the progression of moving disparate elements together like you know we had one issue where the wafers came up we had one issue where like this boarding school came up in the return the kathy kane thing came up once in an issue or like originally once and now we're just starting to see these references show up in similar issues like we're not getting answers but these things that were just like one element over here and one over here are now being mentioned in the same issues in the same breaths like we're seeing the circle that encompasses all these things get drawn and I think that this did that really well. Enough to be like, okay, the wafers. This is why we saw those wafers. They're using at these schools to brainwash people, which is why this Leviathan tech is what that first Kathy Kane person, issue four, was testing out, apparently. I, yeah, I, that's I, why I think that's well kids done. Are, but, yeah, the dots are connecting. Um, and then this next issue, the dots connect too much. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, it's all connected. <laughs> too many <laughs> dots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I really like that 
the way they all connect in this school and the fact that even though they're using the wafers to brainwash the girls, they also aren't covering up the fact that it's a school for assassins kind of because right. like, there's, there's pictures in the hallway of Scorpiana and some other villains we've seen in this series. Oh yeah. Yeah. No one's worried that like some parents are going to come by and be like, what are yeah. you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I really like stories and I, I wish I could remember the TV show that I was just thinking of, but there's, there's some TV show that always has a cold open that is super confusing and you're like, this must be a dream sequence. How, how did we get here? And then it flashes back and you, you get the buildup to this completely ridiculous thing. It's, it's almost like happy or something like that. That is a lot of hard cold open. Yeah. Just totally bonkers. And then like, Oh, okay. So that's why they were stealing these wafers. And that's why, um, like the, the, the dots that you have to connect. And I, I think he's being super intricate with this. And I'm glad that we have this podcast and some cliff notes to make those connections. Cause I didn't remember the wafers until you just said it, Jeff. And it doesn't necessarily feel super intricate. That's the part that like, I still have, I guess I like, but I didn't like, I didn't notice that there's the level of Morrison complex plotting that the other two parts have had because it feels so throwaway and one and done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he's just so successful at that. It makes me like this stuff's boring and inconsequential and doesn't mean anything, but all the while he's, you know, we're, he's slipping the wafers into our food. No, I think that's um, such a, such a, a good point, Justin, this idea that um, he slips these connective tissue elements to you in a way that it's not even saying, Hey, look at this. I'm connecting dots. And so you can miss the dots connecting. And I certainly did 10 years ago as a person who had not yet read, you know, the invisibles and shit like that. So it, it, For sure. uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a style. Right. And it's super awesome that he does that. And, you know, I have on this podcast and throughout this run just said that i love that and anyone who doesn't needs to just like get on board get on the hype train but i can see how it's a problem going into something like this full next leviathan strikes issue because it is so fucking weird and without knowing that you've had those connected dot those dots connected and haven't having not picked up on all the little cues and like the kind of extracurricular homework you have to do to figure out what's going on going into something that gets as psychedelic and as buck wild um, as this next little piece is, is strange. Um, I wonder if it is that in a case where Morrison's good, his great plotting is actually a detriment because, you know, Django has said like, I don't want to have to do all this extra homework and get these references to get what's going on in the story. And I was just like, ah, that's Morrison. And that's why he's perfect. Um, <laughs> but now I feel like this Leviathan strikes, it gets so fucking crazy. If you missed anything at all, maybe that's why we were all kind of, at least I was pretty nauseous reading this and just like, I love this, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Demanded. I be a better man than I am to have understood it originally. Um, but I do like, I think that's another interesting point is cause we, especially on the pap cast and, and just in, in the store and talking about comics, I do think that comics as a whole, you should be able to pick up any issue of any run in general and be able to enjoy reading a comic. You know, that's what like, I think they should be written in such a way. 
except for when I believe that it's the exact opposite. And I want my books to be intricate <laughs> puzzles that I'm slowly solving over many, many years. And like this, <laughs> this is absolutely a deviation from what for years I would say comics should be like, which is, you know, they should be. Yeah. I mean, it's an in- in- interesting, I think both should exist. I don't think that it should be just one way, um, For sure. but it is, it's a thing that I'm only just realizing now is like, Oh yeah. Like this, this is the opposite of, a thing that I, I love about comics as being like, and I think historically they used to be more like that. You used to be able to get like an issue of Fantastic Four from the five and dime, my favorite expression I've co-opted <laughs> from Roman. Um, and you should be able to like read it and get your 12 cents worth or the five I mean, or the dime worth. And, yeah. and I love that, but you know, I love- I think that Morrison did a really good job of making any one of these issues stand pretty well on its own. Except for the next it's when one, you put. Right? Yeah, yeah the next, one's, say, the next one's total though? fucking crazy nonsense. But like, the only the only times that I start running into problems trying to put things together in the in this series is when I try to read more than one issue. I'm like, oh shit! Now now there's homework. But <laughs> you could you could hand any one of these to a kid or an adult, and they should <laughs> they should get a full a full serving out of it. Right, um, and I think that that's the strength of this run. I just wonder if the threading the eye of the needle is that this expression yeah yeah if if we thread it a little too whatever meta insert metaphor if it gets a little too much of that as we get into this next thing because it it seems like this next issue we drop acid and we should have a couple things bearing in mind going in like we need our 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 sitter with us and we get thrown in without a sitter um (laughs) And, you know, I've said that this is maybe my favorite comic book run, and this is my favorite style, this, like, hyper-intricate, you need to puzzle it. But if every every comic book was like this, I think I would hate comic books. If every comic <laughs> book needed that much work... I need like, to be able to have some fun. Yeah, I need some just throwaway, you know? I feel like Garfield. Okay, everybody, we've got a great bit from one of our favorite voices in the entire world. Get ready, everyone. Um, I know you said you've been wanting some voices, so here you go. Not calling in with any too special today, just uh, been thinking about the etymology of two words in particular. More specifically, uh, libations, like alcohol, and uh, liberation. So as Justin may know, uh, Dionysus in Greek mythology is the, is the psychopomp. Um, He's the one that helps people travel to and from the underworld. Um, particularly, the word catabasis comes from uh, Dionysus, if I remember correctly. Um, so I was just thinking about the connection between um, like Librium, the metal that uh, the Black Glove stabs into Bruce to make him trigger his Zurin R, his uh, like backup. Oh shit! Underworld personality, um, and also Libra in Final Crisis, who seems to return from the dead and free a lot of these dead villains. Because uh, another word or another way to phrase what a psychopomp does is it facilitates the travel between the divine and our world, the the mundane. Um, so it really makes me think about how connected he is to bringing the the divine new gods down from apocalypse and um, crap. I can't remember the 
the name of uh, High Father's Place. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't have anything too solid. I just was thinking about those two words, and I, uh, I was enjoying thinking about it. So uh, thanks for the cast. Thanks for everything you're doing, and hello everyone that doesn't know my voice yet. <laughs> Bye. Django, when I talk about liking, liking, you know, packaging the orders at work and stuff, it's because I love <laughs> standing there and thinking about things like that. Like I, I like, <laughs> I like being freed. I like to get comfortable with the task and get in a routine of doing it so that I can be like, like, like open myself up to have the conscious brain space to explore ideas. Because when I don't get to do that, I kill myself. This is the fourth incarnation of Jeff. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just him saying that, I'm like, I love, I love that. I love even just the way that he said, I'm just thinking about, just th- I enjoyed thinking about these things. I love thinking about ideas that come into my head. Um, Justin. Yeah. What'd you think um, about that? I think he's got, I, I, I love, I love those ideas. He just put on a table. I love them. I wanted to rebut back at um, the expense of being a little masturbatorial. So I'm sorry, you guys, but um, you know, Lee, libation and uh, liberation i like that link there's the idea you know spirits why we call alcohol spirits is it comes from spiritus which is also related to like libros like uh, breath of fresh air you know spiritus is the same word for breath so spirit and breath have the same etymology um which is one of the reasons i love the word inspire because yeah. inspiration is the thing that you shouldn't have to seek out. It's a thing that comes just by, as the byproduct of breathing. Like, mm. I mean, inspiration to inspire, to breathe, spirate. Like I, that was, I remember my therapist telling me that like a couple of years ago and me just fucking tracing down the etymology of words is. Etymology is awesome. Conspire yeah. to breathe together. Religion mm-hmm. is usually tie together. They have a similar root word. Um, but spiritos, uh, we get it from the Dionysian cults of wine, you know, to, to water down the wine to, so you could sustain your trance states. So there's this idea that like the reason why you call alcohol a spirit is because it has a spirit in it. It liberates your spirit. It lets you kind of leave yourself, leave your body, leave the daily um, worries behind. And so you would, you know, consume a spirit to liberate yourself in these Even- libation as a word like liberate or libate libations alcohol like the spirit is tied but then also just libation in that transitory the way that he tied it to transition or even just like the between the divine and the mundane like libation being a thing that you know like liminal or something like it makes sense that alcohol takes you from one state and moves you to a different state right and we are all our ancient grief cell greek cells were just drunk on wine when we were communing with the gods you know that's why um, he's a psychopomp, but also a god of wine, Dionysus, is he he rules all things in between. Um, so I bet you Morrison giving his whole Odyssey thing that he puts in there, that whatever that Librium probably mm-hmm. comes, you know, I guarantee you that it comes from, he seems pretty well read in Greek mythology. So I guarantee that might have been an idea in his head. Yeah, I love I love that connection as well, Andrew, just like Lib as a thing that in my mind is like kind of linking the journey between two places or two states like lib and librium did that taking him from batman to psycho guy or alcohol libations being a thing that takes you from one state to the other and then the third one that i forget he referenced um cool stuff cool stuff good god justin good god um 
now, Justin, before we get out of here, hmm. have, you're about to go start a, start a Star Wars campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to play that new Jedi, or I guess it's not new now, but new to me, um, that Jedi game. That's I'm fucking, God damn it. I've fallen down a deep, deep Star Wars themed K hole, a metal, a metachlorian K hole. It sucks. I, try not to be the horrible, wretched Star Wars nerd that I secretly am. And something happened where I've just been binging Clone Wars. It's just, if done well, if injected with the kind of right stuff, Star Wars is one of the best fictional universes ever. Yeah, we have, we have gone on enthusiastic holes of Star Wars before. That was what we were talking oh, yeah. about the day that we missed <laughs> the airport exit for me to take you down a flight back home because we were so into talking about <laughs> Star Wars on the freeway. Um, I know. I, I try to project as not liking Star Wars, but deep down, I just love it so much. And uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Nothing but, wrong with it. Did you yeah. get it? Did I get what? Did you the email? Get did you get it? Did you get it? Oh, I, I can't even do it without a question. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Um, so that's from David Canyon. I don't think we got it, guys. Canyon or P. I don't think I got it. David, let us know what's we, going on there. That might we need a little a more connective tissue. You know, like we he gave us a dot and we need another dot to connect it to before we can get it. Man, I am worried. I'm a, just a little bit paranoid about what that email is about. It's probably nothing. Have you checked your front door for a batarang stuck in it? Because I got one of those. God, I got it. I thought it was you, but if it's not you, then I'm really concerned. There's another metallurgist out there. (laughs) You have a rival, Jeff. What's that, Roman? I'm just worried in the email, is there there like a QR code that you click and it's just the Leviathan symbol? Oh, no. (laughs) It's just wafers, a package of wafers. (laughs) Did you get get a second email that says, because I'm going to give it to you? Oh, God. God. They're waiting for that. No, it's just Django. The the podcast goes up. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to Batman in Quarantine, episode 63, where we traipsed through a school in UK with a bunch of smaller girls and felt good the whole time. That's a really weird send off. Um, (laughs) Fuck. Um, But it's the one that we're going to have because I can't edit anything else. And um, on that note, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. I'm still that diamond lost in space. Oh, <laughs> you diamond and, uh, dog. We'll see you all for the one that we're really, really excited about. The second half of Leviathan Strikes on Thursday. See you all then. Mm-hmm.